Carroll bringing it forward. Thompson's making the run. Carroll hangs on to it though. Still Davy Carroll. Could go all the way here. Oh, what a goal! I'm Phil Catchpole and welcome to episode 12 of Ringing the Blues. Coming up this week, there is a birthday interview with Nick Freeman. We hear from football commentator and Chairboys fan Alan Parry. We are the real deal. We can play football. We can beat anybody on our day. Plus, we have all the action and reaction from Wickham v Tranmere in the FA Cup. But first, let's head to Mexico City to catch up with our amigo, Uri. everyone in the world that loves, treasures and cherishes the football game. We are ringing the blues from Mexico City. Mi nombre es Uriel Weisel. There are just too many games in the FI Cup this weekend, so I've selected just two results for you completely at random. Okay, here we go. FA Cup Round 1. Milton Keynes Dons Nell. Port Vale, Juan. Colchester United, Nel. Coventry City, Tú. <laughs> Pete Winkleman, The Cows Made of Concrete. Steve Lamarck, Lovejoy, The Drummer Out of Blur. Roy McDonough, Can you hear me? Roy McDonough. Your boys took one hell of a beating. Your boys took one hell of a beating. In other news, the nomination for Club Podcast of the Year at the Football Supporters Association Awards were announced last week. Here they are. Blue Moon, Manchester City. Fulhamish, Fulham. My old man said, Aston Villa. The Square Ball, Leeds United, Steve Bloomer's Washing, Derby County, and Ringing the Blues, Wickham Wanderers. We are nominated, my friends, my amigos. Vamos a ganar, and we will sing, we are the champions, my friends. Okay, I'm not very good at singing, sorry. The winner will be announced on the 16th of December at the Tower of London. Okay, and now the lesson, the Spanish lesson for this time, okay? Are you ready? Spanish chair voice. We are in the hat for the draw of the second round. This is very complicated, my amigo Phil Catchpool. So, in Spanish, we say hat, sombrero. You know sombreros, like Mexican sombreros? That are the, those are the hats. Sombreros. Okay, draw. A draw is a sorteo. It's random. They took these little marbles out of a, of a hat and they make a draw. Draw, sorteo. Second round. Second, segundo. Round, ronda. It's pretty similar, right? Maybe it's a Latin etymology or something. So, we are in the hat for the draw of the second round. 
Estamos en el sombrero para el sorteo de la segunda ronda. ¿Ok? We are in the hat for the draw of the second round. How do we say hat? Sombrero. So, back to my amigo Phil Catchpole in England. And we're signing off for this special edition of Ringing the Blues from Mexico City. Adios. Many thanks, Uri. Good to see you in the FA Cup spirits. Now, later on in the pod, we'll hear from Wickham Wanderers player Nick Freeman. But next, we need to revisit the action from Prenton Park on Saturday. With Wickham Wanderers flying high in League One, was the FA Cup important to Gareth Rainsworth? It's massively important. You know, you've seen what, what a big tie can do for this club. I want to get through. I don't want to get through for the money. That'd be for the club. I want to get through because it's the FA Cup. I'm a footballer. I love that tournament. And we will be going to win on Saturday and, uh, and trying to get in, in round two. Free kick. It's going to be whipped in by Kieran Morris, left-footed. Wickham defending the edge of their penalty box as he's crossed in. Curtis Thompson heads clear, only as far as Jennings. And then it's into the box again. Shot comes in, and it is 1-0. What a start by Tranmere. And Kieran Morris, left-footed, drills it across the face of goal into the bottom corner. Two minutes played, and Tranmere have the lead. And Jacobson's going to take this free kick left-footed over a wall of about 10 Tranmere players. Jacobson now approaches the ball and scores! Joe Jacobson has equalised for Wicked Wanderers with an absolute belter of a free kick on 25 minutes. It's Tranmere 1, Wickham 1. It's the edge of the penalty area. It's dropped onto the top of the penalty spot. It drops to Samuel, scores! Alex Samuel has played the ball home from just next to the penalty spot. Tranmere just couldn't clear their lines and it dropped to Samuel, who hung his right foot here and just poked it past the keeper for his second goal of the season. It's Tranmere Rovers 1, Wickham Wanderers 2. Tranmere still have it. Into the box once more. Drops to Morris, goal! Right-footed shot into the bottom corner. First-time shot from Morris, and Wickham was stretched there. And Morris with his second of the game, this time with his right foot. As soon as he hit it, he was going in, and it's 2-2. Pleased to still be in the hat after that? Yeah, it's, it's uh, away from home, and, uh, and we haven't been beat again. You know, it's a fantastic result for us. Uh, just the fixture build-up now is, is just looking... Uh, very Tranmere-ish, it? it's, uh, it's them on Sunday, them on, uh, I think it'll be the Wednesday, so that'll, that'll, be a, that'll be a test. In between we've got MK Dons and then we've got uh, Doncaster as well coming up, all, all within this next couple of weeks. So it's going to be a, a real congested fixture, I think there's an international on the pitch as well, so it's going to be mayhem. Um, but uh, we're in the hat, that's what I wanted at the, uh, at the end of the, the day and, uh, and the, boys, the boys have given everything, you know. Um, I thought Tranmere, you know, defended well, were, were, were solid opponents at times, um, but we had the chances to win it at the end there, you know, like I say, I can find we just missed the top corner. Is it tricky when you have to play a team so often, so many times in a short space of time? I'll let you know in 10 days. Good answer. <laughs> The draw at Prenton Park on Saturday means there'll be a replay and Wickham will end up playing Tranmere three times in a very short space of time indeed. But what did the Prenton Park faithful make of the game? Here's the opposition view. Zach Hayes. Yeah, I'm fairly happy with that. Uh, could have done without the replay, but uh, a decent battling performance against a good Wickham side. The majority of the teams we all play in the league won't be as good as that one we played today. Classic Tranmere. 
Well, I thought that was a cracking game of football. We more than held our own against a top team in our division. And we're in the draw on Monday. Mad Scott. It was a great match to watch. And it was a fair result. Nobody deserved to lose. And I can't say who's the favourite for the replay. As it was so close. Crazy Legs Cranebird. We're getting stronger all the time. We'll get them in the replay <laughs> after we've beaten them in the league. Volvic Power TRFC. Yeah, I can't believe they're top. South End looked a better side. We can look like the sort of team we played when we were last in League One. Lots of long balls. They're eminently beatable. South End were from the same school as Rochdale. Excellent on the bone, and they pass it around. Paul Byron. Yeah, we shouldn't have any fears about next week. So a fiercely competitive FA Cup game sees Wickham in the hat for the second round, but with work to do with a replay against Tranmere Rovers. Now, if only we had some wonderful FA Cup memories. Williams will take the kick. And he's guided! Wickham Wanderers are in the quarter-final of the FA Cup in an unbelievable story here at Selhurst Park. 2-0 down in the first game, 1-0 down and 2-1 down tonight. They've scored an equaliser in the dying moments of the game. And now from the penalty spot, Wickham Wanderers have done it. And a team that had never been into the third round of the FA Cup before are now in the quarter-finals. What a story at Selhurst Park. What drama. What fantastic scenes of joy. A second division club has made it to the last eight against all the odds with a man sent off 20 minutes from the end with a goal seconds from the end and now from the penalty shootout. They're through and Wimbledon are out. What a night that was for Wickham Wanderers. And you'll recognise, of course, the voice of football commentator Alan Parry. Now, some of you will be aware that AP is a huge Wickham Wanderers fan. How did that come about? And also, is there any truth in the folklore that he met Martin O'Neill in the toilets at Carrow Road, which was a huge part of him becoming the chairboy's manager? Well, I rang him up to ask him. It's a perfectly true story. And here's another true story, Phil, which isn't so widely known. And in fact, I don't think it's ever been made public before. Martin O'Neill applied for the job two years earlier than uh, the occasion uh, that led to him being appointed. Um, I'd met Martin when he was a player for Nottingham Forest, and I was immediately impressed by him. Uh, a really sort of intelligent, articulate bloke, very quick-witted, um, really engaging personality. Uh, he'd had a great playing career, of course, so I, mean, I knew that he would uh, gain the immediate respect of our players. So I suggested to the chairman at the time, Brian Lee, um, that he appoint him or at least interview him. Well, he was interviewed on that occasion, and he didn't get the job. The uh, post went instead to Peter Sotheby, who, by the way, is very ill at the moment. He had a stroke a few months ago and is recovering. Lovely lad, Peter, former Wickham player. Anyway, he got the job, and Martin went back to uh, managing the splendidly named Shepshed Charterhouse on, on a part-time basis. Now, the job came around again. Uh, P. 
teach us how to be didn't have much success i'm afraid as a as a, a manager um, didn't uh, win many games so the board at the time decided it was uh you know the right moment uh, to relieve him of his duties now i didn't want to ring martin and put him through the uh you know slight embarrassment of being interviewed again for the job and again possibly being turned down so i kind of dismissed him from my thoughts I went to a game at Carrow Road between Norwich and Liverpool, uh, just as a spectator, being uh, a, you know a lifelong Liverpool fan as well. I was born in the city and grew up watching the Reds. Went to the toilet at half time, and lo and behold, bumped into Martin O'Neill, and he said, "How are things going? You know the usual chit chat. How are things going at Wickham?" And coincidentally, we were interviewing for the manager's job. On that very day, I said, look, I'm sorry I didn't ring you. You know, you were turned down the first time. I didn't think you'd want to go through that kind of experience again. And he said, well, yeah, you're probably right, but I would have been interested. I said, really? Yeah. He said, yeah, yeah. You know, I like the club. I think it has potential. Uh, I wouldn't have minded a second interview. I said, well, oh, goodness me, you know what? Bad timing. The interviews are actually taking place today. Anyway. At the end of the game, as I was driving home, I rang Ivor Beeks, who was now chairman at that time, and I said, look, I've just bumped into Martin O'Neill in the uh, gents' toilet at Norwich City. He said, well, I'm sorry, uh, we've, we've already made our decision. Um, Kenny Swain, another former Wickham player, who at that time was assistant manager at Crew Alexander, we were really impressed with his interview, and we've, uh, we've offered him the job. Uh, there and then, he's gone back up to Crew just to make his arrangements with that club and say his goodbyes. I said, oh, well, that's a shame. So I rang Martin back and said, I'm sorry, Kenny Swain's got the job. Okay, never mind. Anyway, what happened was Kenny Swain went back to Crew, and they offered him you know, a higher wage and uh, a longer contract and everything. And he ended up uh, ringing Ivor Beeks and saying, look, I'm sorry, um, I would have loved the job, but I think my place is here at Crew, And he pulled himself out of contention to take over. So I rang me, I ring Martin O'Neill, and I say, you won't believe this, but the job's back vacant again. So he came down, he did another interview, he got the job, and the rest, as they say, Phil, is history. Well, they say football is fine margins, but I mean, I'm struggling to think where, what would we be doing today? What would I be doing in my life if Martin O'Neill hadn't been Wickham Wanderers manager at any point? I mean, it doesn't bear thinking about, does it? No, it doesn't. I mean, I've said before, I thought he had uh, the kind of qualities that would uh, make him a good manager. But uh, I have to be honest and say, no way would I have dreamed of him achieving the successes that he did go on to achieve, not just, of course, at Wickham, uh, you know, at club level as well, uh, with Leicester City and, and Aston Villa, and then uh, at international level as well. Um, you know, he far, far exceeded my expectations. I'm not going to claim that I uh, saw in him the potential to be a manager of that status and that standing. Uh, he still lives in the area, of course. He lives the other side of Beaconsfield. And um, when you get a phone call from Martin... A rare event in itself. Um, <laughs> he always asks and inquires about Wickham. And of course, he comes along to a lot of the dinners, the ex-players association dinners and everything. And it's still a club very much in his heart. 
Well, I, I obviously remember that era incredibly fondly as well, having grown up when with Martin as the manager and it was a wonderful time, as has been spoken about on this podcast many times now. But there is now this question, because Gareth Ainsworth has done so well, there is this question now about who's Wickham's best ever manager and, and Gareth has given himself a real shot against Martin. I mean, you've seen and, and worked with both. What do you reckon? Well, I'm not patting myself on the back here, but I had something to do as well with Gareth Ainsworth's appointment. Um, Ivor Beeks always used to say to me, look, keep a little list in the back of your diary and in your mind about future potential managers should whoever is in the post at any one time uh, decide to leave or be relieved of his duties. And I remember getting a phone call. I was up in um, Yorkshire at the time. I'm not quite sure why. don't remember. And Ivor said, um, I'm afraid uh, we're parting company with, uh, with Gary Waddock. Um, what do you think? Have you any ideas? And I said, well, unhesitatingly, I would offer the job on the caretaker basis to Gareth Ainsworth because I know, you know he has the total respect of everybody in the dressing room. The fans loved him. And then, of course, in his playing days uh, in the famous quarters. And I said, give it to him and, uh, you know, he can keep the, the ship steady until we appoint uh, a new permanent manager. Well, that happened, and Mark (laughs) too. The rest is history again. Um, I didn't, as with Martin O'Neill, I didn't ever imagine that Gareth would go on to achieve the longevity and and the success that he has achieved. But, you know, a similar character in many ways to Martin, driven, focused, ambitious, um, a winner, an absolute winner, uh, and a man who could cross the divides between the boardroom, the playing staff and the fans and, and could bring them all together. And that's what he's done. He's wickamized the whole club, to use his favorite phrase. Uh, and uh, like Martin, far exceeded anyone's expectations, I think. And he's right up there now. If you had a poll, I suppose, uh, amongst the Wickham fans about which is the best manager of the two. Well, I'm sure the older ones would still go with Martin O'Neill, but the younger generation would certainly say Gareth. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. I think it is a, it's a generational thing and, and I think al- almost different challenges as well that the two managers have faced uh, whilst managing Wickham Wanderers. And there will be a point where Gareth will sadly leave Wickham Wanderers and, and I, I suppose, Alan, we might have to dispatch you to some Premier League toilets again just to see who you can meet. <laughs> That could be dangerous. Uh, but I still have that list in the back of my diary. I can't reveal any names, of course. Um, and since I started that list, well, seven years ago now, wasn't it, when uh, Gareth was appointed, quite a few of them have gone on to uh, get jobs in uh, in management, and some of them with some quite big clubs, I'm pleased to say. Um, so uh, I've obviously... Um, I've obviously not been bad at uh, spotting the potential of future managers. Yeah, your track record speaks for itself. So the, the next question is, you know, you I mean your your Merseyside roots are well documented. Uh, how does a lad from Merseyside become so engrossed and so key to a, to a non-league club originally in, in Buckinghamshire? Well, it goes all the way back to uh, 1975. I'm not very good with dates. I'm pretty sure that was the year. I was working for BBC Radio as a young reporter just down from BBC Radio Merseyside to join the uh, BBC Radio 2, as it was then, Radio 5 Live, as it is now, sports department. And it was January, and it was FA Cup third round day. And they dispatched me to Wickham Wanderers against Middlesbrough. To be quite honest, I didn't even know where High Wycombe was. I had to look it up on the map. Uh, I had little or no knowledge of the football club. Anyway, 
Um, it was a, a memorable, historic day in Wickham's history. They played Middlesbrough, who were then top of the old First Division, what is now the Premier League, of course, managed by Jack Charlton, and they had some terrific players, including Graham Souness, uh, who later went on to have a fantastic career, of course, with Liverpool. Uh, and it was a draw that day. Brian Lee was the uh, chairman of the club and made me very, very welcome. It was a game that was televised as well, and, and the great Brian Moore was the commentator that day. I did the reports for BBC uh, Radio Sports Report, famous programme, um, and I remember Brian saying, well, look, if you're ever in the area again and you want to come along to one of our games, please do. And then coincidentally, I moved into the area and started uh, taking in the odd game. Uh, Mike King was the manager at the time then. And uh, he said, look, you know, if you want to come up and join us in training, uh, it was a Tuesday or a Thursday night uh, up at Lokes Park in a muddy old field just behind the main stand. And, uh, you know, I was playing football regularly in those days, so I took that opportunity, and I just grew more and more involved with the club. I grew to really love the place. You know, I know it's a cliche, but the family club that it was and still is. Um, And then the opportunity came up to join the board of directors, and I wasn't sure about that, to be honest with you, because I remember saying in the little speech I had to give um, to be nominated for a a directorship of the club, I'm more interested in team sheets than balance sheets. I'm not really that fussed about sitting around a boardroom table or you know having to wear a tie for a game and having to be reasonably polite to the opposition uh, and not get too excited and too emotional in the director's box. But I did it because I thought, well, that's an aspect of the game that I didn't know. Um, you know, I'd commentated on the game and been a fan of Liverpool, travelled all around the country watching them over the years. Uh, and suddenly I thought, well, this is great. This is a, a, an insight into how football works behind the scenes. And my love of Wickham grew and grew and grew. Um, my son started following them as well. My daughter, who's 21 now, she's another fan. Uh, she's over in America at the moment and follows all our games on iFollow over there uh, at uh, college in uh, California. And, you know, it has been a huge part of my life, Wickham Wanderers, a, a part that's given me great moments, uh, great joy, great memories, and I hope will continue to do so. Now, um, I'm assuming one of those great memories was the FA Cup semi-final, Wickham Wanderers versus Liverpool. Uh, uh, You couldn't lose that day, could you? It was a dilemma for me. I remember doing uh, commentary for um, uh, the uh, TalkSport radio station on um, another game that day, and I said to the producer, because they were were making the FA Cup semi-final draw that day, let me know over the headphones, you'll know what I'm talking about here, let me know what the draw is. Well, it was probably the worst commentary I've ever given because the moment he said, you won't believe it, it's Liverpool, Wickham have got Liverpool, my mind just went, you know, a million miles away from the game I was supposed to be talking about. Um, And I thought, this is a dream come true. The club I've always followed from my youth in Liverpool to the club that I've adopted and, and taken into my heart. And I thought to myself, as you've just said, I can't lose. But in a way, I can't win. And I did some interviews with the media around that game, and I said, well, look, Liverpool have won so much. League titles, FA Cups, European Cups. 
for this one occasion and for the first and only time in my life, I want them to lose. I want Wickham to win, to have the glory. And my word, didn't we come pretty close to it? And uh, if I remember rightly, they had to take a couple of star names off the substitutes bench, Emil Heskey. Uh, I think Stephen Gerrard came on as well that day. Robbie Fowler was in the team. It was a very, very good Liverpool side. But I was proud of Wickham that day, proud of the fans. I'll never forget the sight of the whole town full of blue and white scarves and flags and banners. Uh, and we gave Liverpool a real test. And uh, it was quite late on in the game uh, when they finally scored. And, of course, uh, the legend that is Keith Ryan pulled the goal back towards the end. And uh, it was a great, great day, uh, one I'll never forget. You were commentating that day, right? No, no, I wasn't commentating, no. No, I was sat there. I'd been away with the team. We went off to Spain uh, for a few days. Um, you know, the players were able to play golf and train in the sunshine. And strangely enough, the game I did commentate on, uh, Liverpool were playing Barcelona in midweek before the FA Cup semi-final. And uh, myself and Laurie Sanchez uh, flew from uh, Malaga because that was uh, the nearest airport to where the team was staying, up to Barcelona to watch the game, and we came back together. Um, I thought, this is crazy. Barcelona v Liverpool uh, on the Tuesday <laughs> night or Wednesday night. Wickham v Liverpool on the Sunday. Um, and I was at both the games. Now, I do remember your commentary from the famous night at Wimbledon in that cup run that, that took Wickham to the semi-final. Um, I mean, that I was in the crowd that night. I still think... That's one of the craziest football matches I've ever been to. And, I mean, you, you must have eclipsed the number of games I've been to by a long way. But, I mean, that must have ranked up there as a, as a truly bizarre experience. Well, here's another coincidence. Um, on the same night, Tranmere Rovers, who we, of course, just played in the FA Cup, um, were playing Southampton. And that was the game that Sky TV had chosen to be their live game. On the same night... Uh, Wickham, of course, were at, at Wimbledon or at uh, Selhurst Park, where they were playing in those days. And uh, they wanted to uh, have a commentator at that game f for recorded purposes. Um, so they said to me, do you fancy? I said, well, I'll be at the game anyway. Yeah, sure I do. And it was just the most unbelievable game um, I can remember Wickham ever being involved in. The way it went, you know, goal behind quite early on, get it back, you know, they take the lead again, blah, blah, blah. And it ends up in that fantastic penalty shootout um, that no one who was there that night will ever forget. And what happened then after the game is there was a press conference and Laurie Sanchez, who <laughs> could be a very controversial figure, <laughs> said to the uh, gathered media, I can't believe that Sky weren't showing this game live. Um, don't they know, you know, what the FA Cup magic is all about? Well, he hadn't checked what happened in the Tranmere-Southampton game. If I remember rightly, Southampton were two or even three goals ahead in that game, and Tranmere came back, uh, and I think they beat them, or certainly drew anyway. It was 4-3, uh, they were 3-0 down, and, and they won 4-3. I thought so, yeah. So that was an even better game. The next morning, because his comments were widely publicised, I get a call from the boss of Sky Sports saying, can you have a word with your manager saying things like that? You know, didn't he know what had happened at Prenton Park? And I said, well, no, he didn't. So I had to get Ivor Beeks to have a quiet word in Laurie's shell-like uh, 
Otherwise, there was a threat that we might not ever appear on Sky TV again. But yeah, <laughs> I mean, I think I gave probably the most unprofessional commentary of my career that night, uh, jumping up and down on the gantry at Selhurst Park uh, as the drama unfolded. Fabulous night, fabulous. Wonderful, wonderful night. And one of the things I want to touch uh, uh, on, on as well with you, um, you know, social media has come around now and, and you're very active on, on the Wickham Wanderers Facebook fans page and on the forum, the gas room as well. And, uh, you know, you, you post a lot on there and your passion for the club really, really comes through. But you stand your ground as well, don't you? Well, I've probably made more enemies than fans uh, by going on the gas room and uh, Facebook uh, fans page as well. Listen, whatever I say and do is from the heart. And I wear my heart firmly on my sleeve. And that's got me in trouble a lot of times over the years, particularly with some referees at Adams Park (laughs) uh, and particularly with some fans on social media. We've all got differing opinions, but I love that club so much that if somebody insults the club, they insult me and I leap to their defence. Sometimes I'll admit um, I'm in the wrong, of course, uh, and, and they, be in the, they may be in the right. But knowing the club as I do and knowing how it operates behind the scenes and knowing how difficult it is to run a football club at that level, uh, having been on the board, um, I feel it's my duty to defend whoever is in charge of the football club. Even, <clears throat> you know, he, he'll forgive me for saying this, even unpopular figures like Steve Hayes. Um, I've felt... Publicly, I always had to defend whoever was in charge of the club at the time. And that's something I've always done and always will do. And the supporters trust who come in for a lot of criticism and certain individuals in particular um, did a fabulous job in probably the most difficult period the club has ever faced, certainly in its uh, football league history. And I I don't like people criticising without knowing the facts. And that's why... I always leap to the defence of the club. I admit, 99% of the time, and that's why I have my uh, nom de plume of glass half full, I take the positive approach. Other people prefer to take the negative approach. Football, I think, is is key um, in society at the moment because we're quite a divided society when you take football out of it. And I, I love the fact that football brings people like yourself, you know, established in the game through the media, people who know the game inside out. And, you know, these conversations you have with fans of other clubs, fans of our clubs, that perhaps wouldn't take place without social media. And I think your honesty and passion, I think, really kind of highlights the fact of it's really important that we talk to people who, who maybe have a different opinion to us. Yeah, Absolutely. Um, But, you know, having been brought up in the world of journalism, working for newspapers and then uh, radio and then television, uh, I think uh, each of those media um, outlets has a certain responsibility and a legal responsibility in many cases uh, to, you know, avoid spreading um, mistruths. Social media doesn't have that kind of control. And that's one of the things I dislike about it. Uh, you know, you can virtually say anything out there, particularly if you're hiding behind a, a made-up name, and there's no one there to challenge you or take you to to task if it's uh, if it's incorrect information, uh, if it's an assumption, if it's a downright lie. Um, I don't like that part of social media, and I'm staggered on a week-to-week basis how people in important positions, not just in sport, but you know, across the the, the whole. Uh, uh, the whole width of society make mistakes that come round to haunt them 
by saying and writing things on social media that they shouldn't have done. I always remember being told very early on in my uh, journalistic career, the written word is a very, very powerful weapon. Be very careful how you use it. And I think too many people on social media don't stand by that philosophy. Well, that is great advice indeed. Now, uh, to finish off with AP, I mean, you've you've been through uh, many eras of the club since the uh, the mid seventies, as we've just spoken about. Where Wickham are today, it looks like um, they're coming out a very long tunnel of financial uncertainty and going great on the pitch. Um, where does this rank in 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 all those situations you've been involved in at the club? Where we are today. I think we stand at the threshold of the most exciting period uh, the club has ever experienced as a professional outfit. Um, money has always been a struggle at Wickham, even going back to non-league days. Uh, you know, I started following Wickham when they were in the Isthmian League, and then, of course, the great um, period in the conference, that era. Um, the Football League is where I've always wanted us to be. And isn't it wonderful playing clubs like Sunderland and, and Portsmouth and so on, you know, clubs steeped in history, uh, steeped in tradition. Um, to compete with them on a level playing field, we need money. You know, Portsmouth get gates of 17,000, uh, Sunderland double that, and therefore they are able to go out and uh, sign quality players that we've never been able to do before. We've got a fantastic manager who has a fantastic talent, along with Dobbo, for spotting potential. We've seen that time and time and time again. But now, I hope, he will have money to back up his and Dobbo's judgment of players, money to go out and sign quality. Um, he's already done that, of course, in, in this summer. I think the Cougars are going to be fantastic for Wickham. Uh, they brought ambition, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, enthusiasm, uh, a different approach, and, a, and an approach that won't suit everybody. He's already said that uh, not everyone is going to go along with every decision he makes. But let's let's stick with him. Let's stick with them. I, I have great faith and great confidence that they will be good for Wickham and Wickham will be good for them. And I think this is going to be a fantastic period in our history. Look where we are in the league table now. Uh, look where we could be in the future. It's so exciting. I can't wait for it to get underway. It's already underway. It is good. I mean, good to touch on something you just said. It is great to be able to play the teams like Sunderland and Portsmouth. I tell you what's even better is when we beat them as well. Absolutely, yeah. Well, you know, we're up there now with them. I, I, I said to uh, Gareth Ainsworth a couple of weeks ago, we're the real deal now. This is not a phony sort of, you know, 33 points from 16 games. There's nothing fluky about that. Uh, we deserve and we are getting respect. Not always from opposition fans. You know, I've said on the gas room, when you get a label in football, it sticks. And it's very hard to get rid of anti-football, long ball, cheating, diving, time-wasting, all these cliches that are thrown about. Listen, we are the real deal. We can play football. We can beat anybody on our day. Cheers, AP. One of the real deals this season is Nick Freeman. Last Thursday, he turned 24, just two days after notching up 100 career appearances for Wickham Wanderers. I spoke to him at the training ground where he tried to convince me he was getting old. I'm going to have to say it. I want to be young again. I do feel like I'm getting old already. 
his uh, fourth year in the game and yeah but still I'm, I'm obviously still young but yeah I feel like I'm getting older already and uh, 100 uh, appearances for Wickham Wanderers uh, that's a great milestone for any pro at any stage of a career to play 100 times for, for one professional club how do you feel about that? Yeah I'm, I'm ecstatic if you said that to me when I came here at uh, 20 uh, three, four years ago I would have I would have laughed at you but getting to 100 already I'm just ecstatic it's a good milestone and I just want to keep playing as many games as possible until the end of my career Talk to me about that journey I mean it does seem like a long time ago you, you came here from non-league uh, how's that journey been from from that first day through the door to, to coming out on Tuesday night for that 100th appearance Yeah I feel like I've just grown as a man and as a player over that time gradually and just kept adding to my game and adding to myself and Obviously, it's been it's been a roller coaster like football is. There's always ups and downs, but I've enjoyed every moment of it. Were there times when you think, oh, am I going to get a chance here, or am I going to have to go out on loan, or maybe leave the club to to get my chance? Yeah, of course. You always you always got to think like, what's the best for me to play? But I just thought, you know what, I like being here. I want to just work hard and get in the team because it's a great place to be. And then that's what I've done every time I've not been in the team. What would you say is the most important thing you've sort of developed, sort of either? as a player or physically or mentally uh, since being at Wickham? Yeah, probably mentally. Um, when it's not going for you and you're obviously not in team selection, that's just uh, trying to hold down the mental strength to just keep going, keep doing your extras after training and showing like the gaffer that you're that you're ready. That's probably like the hardest part of that, but I've got it, I'm, I'm lucky, yeah. And the team spirit is, is a big thing here, even even when you're not in the first 11? Oh, 100 percent. I've been I've been saying this to my family and my friends that they, we've got a rare a rare change room that a lot of the senior boys say that haven't been around, and I'm just really lucky to be a part of it. Now, as it's your birthday, I think the tradition is that you're meant to bring the cakes in. Uh, we've just seen someone. I think your sponsors have made you a lovely cake, but have you stepped up to the plate today? Next week, I'll bring in uh, two boxes of Krispy Kremes. That's the that's a tradition. The week after your birthday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, f- I forgot today, I forgot today. <laughs> uh, we're coming into an FA Cup uh, weekend, uh, massive opportunity for Wickham Wanderers and, uh, and great for the players to put themselves in the spotlight as well if you can progress through the rounds. Yeah, of course, we've been excellent in the league and uh, now we've got a week off in FA Cup and obviously it'd be great to go on a, a good cup run and get a big team or something, so we'll just see how far we go. Obviously, we got Spurs away a few years ago, so we want to try and get something like that, hopefully at Arsenal away. I was about to ask you, if Wickham were to get to the third round, would the dream time, I'm guessing it's going to be Arsenal at the Emirates? Yeah, Arsenal at the Emirates, that's my, that's my team. And they've got a carpet down there as well, so... Well, current form, Nick, I mean, Wickham would probably go into that favourites, wouldn't they? Oh, with their defence, 100%. With um, Arsenal's defence, I'd fancy us. <laughs> at least for a draw, bring them back to Adams Park. Yeah, sell out and just beat them at Adams Park as well, so yeah. Wenger in or Wenger out uh, about 12 months ago? Oh, probably out. It was time for a change, but I probably have him back now. <laughs> I was going to say, hindsight's a wonderful thing. And Jose Mourinho circling Arsenal as well. What do you reckon to that? Oh, I don't know. I'm a bit sceptical. Probably 50-50 on that. Only thing of, of an advantage is that he's quite defensive and we need to be more defensive because we're shocking defensively. Back to Wickham Wanderers. Uh, league form, fantastic. This week in the Cup, is that a bit of a distraction because momentum in the league has been phenomenal? Yeah, been we've been brilliant in the in the league, and then obviously had the EFL trophy on Tuesday. Obviously didn't go to plan, but obviously it's a, a lot of learning for us. Uh, it was eleven players that haven't played together, um, but we listen. It was it was ninety minutes for a lot of us, and we just got to learn from it. And we got um, MK next week, and we can. I know we're out of it now, but we can put it right and just finish on a high.
Last time we spoke, you, you said your preferred position was in the midfield three. You've been a regular starter in, in that midfield three as well now and, and really excelled. Uh, what was the, uh, the big obstacle for you to kind of nail that starting place down in that middle three? Well, I'd spoken to the gaffer pre-season that that was my preferred position. And then from the Bolton game onwards, I came on and done well and I've just been playing there since but I've always been a midfielder growing up and I just and then I changed to a winger late teens and I just wanted to go back to midfield it's where I enjoy playing the most. Uh, there was a fan on the gas room that said your assist for Scott Cashgate's winner against South End was the best assist he'd ever seen as a Wickham Wanderers fan. Uh, talk us through it. Well I'm, I'm privileged that he said that I'm flattered um, but I know like I knew Scott was going to be there he makes like terrific runs and I think me and him play well together so I haven't even looked and I've just thought leave it in there, he's there, and then obviously he's chopped him, put it in the corner, so it's a good all-round assist angle. You've been here a few years now, is that what happens after a bit of time? You know where people are going to be? Yeah, of course, especially players like Scotty and the other ones that are, they, they have their game off movement and they're good at running in behind, because that's what I want, I like playing balls in behind, and then obviously your balls into feet to Akinfemwa and things like that, so yeah, when I know all the players now, you get to know where they're going to be on the pitch. Does it work off the pitch? Can you tell me where Scott Cashkit is right now? <laughs> probably talking a load in the physio room or something. <laughs> I think you're probably right. Yeah, 100%. Right, that's your lot for this week. Many thanks to Nick Freeman, Alan Parry and Vital Len. There's no ring in the blues next week as Wickham are playing on the Sunday. So we'll be back in a couple of weeks. Come on, you blues. <laughs>